Is It Transphobic? We'll be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. It's me, Ashley, the producer and editor of Is It Transphobic? Today we're doing something a little similar to uh, if you tuned in over the summer and heard a lot of our interviews for the Trans Theater Fest. Uh, We're doing another interview for a play that's coming up. The play is The White Dress, and The White Dress is a coming-of-age story which experiments with form, melding language, music, and movement to explore the lives of people from various gender identities, expressions, and sexual orientations. The piece centers on the relationship between a Black and Asian genderqueer man and his parents. Meet the Howard family. Theo is a busy attorney who has been pushed into the closet. Hazel is his dutiful wife who has given up a life in business to serve her family and she believes all Catholic women should do. Their son, Jonathan, grows up struggling and questioning a binary that he could never fit in. Part religious right, part dance performance. The white dress is a call for diversity both on stage and in our audiences. It will leave you thinking about notions of self and identity you haven't thought about before. The White Dress is written by Roger Q. Mason. We'll be performing Thursday, November 2nd through Sunday, November 5th. And if you'd like to buy tickets, you can do so at thewhitedressplay.com. Hey everyone, it's me, Ashley Rogers, the producer and editor of the Is It Transphobic podcast, and today we're doing a special episode. Uh, it's October at this moment, and uh, I know you're probably expecting something spooky, something scary, uh, and we've got that. On Halloween, I'm going to be dropping The Curse of the Queer Wolf, which is a horrendous movie, just to spoil the episode, horrendous movie that no one should watch. But boy, are you interested now that you've heard that. Uh, That said, today we're doing a very special episode of Is It Transphobic? Uh, Because I have a special guest here from a new show that is going to be premiering in New York City called The White Dress. And so joining me today is... I'm Izzy Castaldi, and I use they, them pronouns. Fantastic. And I, I use she, her pronouns. I forgot to... I feel like everybody's gotten to know me at this point, yeah. so they know my pronouns. Uh, so, but tell me a little bit more about you, Izzy. Uh, you are fairly new to the city, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just moved here a couple weeks ago from Philadelphia, and um, just I'm an actor trying to navigate that here. Is um, it's it's you know it's a it's very different um, from Philly in a lot of ways and similar in a lot of ways. So. Um, it's been interesting, yeah. But working on this show has been helpful, kind of just diving into the scene um, without any sort of downtime before, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So how, like, what what's what are some differences between New York and Philly that you're already feeling just kind of yeah. getting into it? I feel like Philadelphia is just, it's it's much smaller, and, and you walk pretty much everywhere, or bike everywhere. And so it just feels a little bit more kind of like low-key. I would say the vibe is kind of like sweatpants. And like New York, like Manhattan is like 
you have to dress up everywhere. I feel like pressure to be like to look nice all the time. But I'm I'm living in Brooklyn and and that's like a completely different world from Philly or Manhattan. Um zero pressure to look nice. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's great. I mean it, yeah. there's I mean in any city there's this kind of sense of anonymity that you have just walking through the street. You can kind of be like, well, no one gives a shit what I'm doing right now. And so I can pretty much look however. Um, and that's what I really love about living in a city. Um, yeah, and Brooklyn for sure is, is like there's so much going on. I live in a super like crowded neighborhood, tons of stuff going on. But it's great. I love it. Yeah. Very awesome. Yeah, we uh, we record the show in Brooklyn, and I wouldn't live anywhere else unless we absolutely had to move and there was a really good deal. <laughs> but... I really I love it out here too. Like yeah. this is this is my borough. So yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about because uh, I know that you mentioned that there's a lot that's kind of the same too. What are some mm-hmm. similar experiences you're feeling from Philly and New York? Yeah, well, I think um, I think just specifically coming from like an artist perspective, working in the performance community specifically with theater, um, it feels kind of similarly small like the community is small like even though new york is is literally bigger like the community is bigger but you know it's like a small world everyone knows each other it's all about just having connections to people and um yeah and so i think especially being trans and or like a queer actor in this world right now there's a lot of kind of new um, stuff happening for trans and queer actors, which is really exciting, but it also can be a little bit um, uh, limiting, I guess. Or, uh, you know, there it's in theater companies trying to um, make efforts to be more inclusive. It can kind of feel sometimes like commodifying the, like, these these trans actors or actors of color who are you know, just don't really, I mean, at least speaking from my perspective, like, I don't always feel the need to, to play, like, a trans role, but, um, but, you know, we'll always be, I'll be called in with all of the other non-binary people, mm-hmm. and we'll all be at the same auditions together, and this is, like, in Philly, and so there's this kind of sense of competition, almost, that happens, because uh, we all love each other and we know each other and we support each other, but um, we also like we need we need want to work and we mm-hmm. want these jobs and there's only so many and I uh, haven't you know I can't really say enough about like what it's like in New York, but just kind of having talking having talked to some people, it's it seems like it's kind of similar. Like there's there's a group of um, like trans actors and they all get called in for like similar things and so it's it's hard it's like wanting to be supportive but also wanting to um you know just work and Hmm. uh, yeah it's an interesting thing to navigate for sure yeah these are these are my roles why why are other people going for them but at the same time like oh but these are my friends yeah 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 it's it's definitely hard and I think like I don't know. I I think that just in time it'll get better because there's there's more things happening 
more opportunities for everyone. Mm. Um, so all we could do right now is just like, be like, you're my friend and I love you and I'm so happy for you. And mm. just even, and even being like, oh, I mean, I'm a member of this great Facebook group called the Trans Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you are familiar, but it's, um, it's an amazing resource. And if anyone is an actor anywhere on the trans spectrum should definitely join. And it's all over the country. Um, and so they post a lot of calls and, and it's like a very, it feels very supportive. Like we're all in the boat, in this boat together and we want, we want to help each other. And so like I've, there's a couple of different opportunities that I have like been able to, um, get from just from that Facebook page. So it's exciting. Like things like that, that are happening, um, are exciting because it means that we all just want really we want each other to succeed so that we all succeed you know yeah but it's interesting yeah no i completely agree (laughs) with that um i'm curious if you don't mind me throwing you a little curveball and let me know if that's not cool and i'll edit it later but um (laughs) could would you be comfortable talking a little bit about like navigating casting as a non-binary individual like Mm -hmm. especially because casting can be incredibly binary and they'll state like you know like how do you navigate that is there a certain way like this role sounds like it's right up my alley but they're asking for a specific gender uh are there certain Mm -hmm. things where you draw the line where you personally are just like no i this this doesn't feel right for me yeah it's definitely been something that i have been trying to figure out how to navigate in the best way Mm -hmm. and i think um, you know, I, there was a long time where I was like, do I put my pronouns on my resume and do I make this, my like gender identity, um, a part of how I market myself? I mean, I get, cause like, that's what we're doing. Like as actors, like our business is ourselves. And so, because I was like, well, what if that limits me from playing like female ro- cis roles, cis female roles? Like I don't, I don't want to not get jobs because I am because people see my pronouns and they're like, oh, this person isn't. Um, but I kind of decided that to say fuck that because I think people, I mean, the important thing as an art, as, as any sort of artist is to just be as much yourself as possible. Like that's the only way to make things that are worth, that people want to see, you know, that people can relate to. Um, but it's it's definitely weird because, you know, there's the, the calls for non-binary characters, um, which I will like seek out and like be called in for. There's the like, lesbian roles that I also go in for, and then there's like the like young boy in a Shakespeare play that you know like I've done before, and that is kind of a weirdly like oh yeah I can play a young boy in Shakespeare but I also just did I was um like Imogen and Cymbeline who was like a princess um and so so far it hasn't um I mean it just it just depends on what you're comfortable with like I don't think I could be comfortable going in for a role that was like a very super like feminine woman in like a period play or or I don't I mean I don't know it's it's hard to say I think it just depends um but I've I'm kind of gravitating more towards um more masculine just because of what like feels comfortable like on my body like literally like 
costumes, you know, like this, this Shakespeare show I did was really a, a, a great experience. And I was, I felt so lucky to be able to do it, but I felt uncomfortable in the costume, you know, and that's something that it sounds like it's, it's, um, not a big deal, but it can really feel, it can really kind of stop you up uh, creatively if you're like, I feel uncomfortable right now because all of these people are looking at me and they see me as a woman. And I know that because I'm playing a woman, you know? And so it just goes back to like really just knowing what you're comfortable with. And I think it's important to work with people who are really respectful of your pronouns. I, I think one of the hardest, one of the biggest challenges I've come across is just being in rehearsal rooms and people not gendering me correctly because I'm playing like a female role or even if I'm not like, because they're like talking about the character and then they forget and then they're talking about me and they like can't like make the switch easily. So that's difficult. I think it's important like always, I think, you know, if you're a trans actor or a non-binary actor like trying to see if you want to work on something that you might be playing a cis role or you might be feeling uncomfortable about just like being really communicative with the directors and the stage managers and being like hey I real this is really important to me um because then you're still seen as who you are and you can just like separate that from the role that you're playing um yeah but it's it's interesting thing to navigate for sure yeah and it's, it's <laughs> much like people's gender it's different for everyone and what will set them off is different for different people like for a while mm-hmm. for a very long time i refused to take any masculine roles yeah uh and that like basically led me to getting no roles and that's fine i don't care uh i'll jump in when when needed mm-hmm. and the ones that really like that i seek out that i get and the ones that people uh either write for me or the ones that people are like hey i really want you to fill this role mm-hmm. uh it's it's that much more yeah right. i get much more out of it personally yeah and when yeah. you make those it's like when you make those connections with those directors or with those creative people you can, and then they will like call you in for things. So it's all just about like being nice to, to work with and, and being yourself and being comfortable and making your needs kind of clear, I think, and not compromising yourself for like any specific sort of role, but it's hard. It is hard because you, you still want to work. Like you Mm -hmm. still want to, if it's a great show and you're playing, you know, you're playing like a masculine role, then like it's hard to make that decision to compromise like do I am I uncomfortable for this kind of like a little bit of success or Mm. yeah I mean you got to eat but at the same time like yeah you got to be true to yourself too so Mm -hmm. yeah it's the the dance (laughs) it's the true struggle so let's talk a little bit about the white dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you think? So in the show, who so who are you playing in the show? Because I've been able to get my hands on the script, mm-hmm. so I'm familiar with the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so who are you in it? Because there's a lot of different characters. Yeah, there's a lot of characters. I play Winnie, who is the best friend, eventual kind of soulmate, um, romantic partner of the main character, Jonathan. Um yeah, and so should I do like a little summary of the plot, maybe yeah. if, that, if that's helpful? It's it's hmm. uh, kind of complicated, but I think the heart of it is about this 
this guy, Jonathan, you kind of, you follow Jonathan throughout his life. You see him when he is eight, when he's 13, 16, 21. And, um, and so you, it's kind of following his, um, journey and figuring out how he wants to express himself and his queerness and like figuring out that how that relates to gender and how it doesn't. Um, and his father is also a gay man who's in the closet and his mother and his father have all these conflicts and, um, and so it's all, it's like very much about that family relationship and it's also about Jonathan's relationship with the world and with people around him. And so Winnie, my character, so Jonathan, um, his true self is that he is a man who wants to wear female clothing and express himself very femininely. Um, and he's queer. And so he finds, he meets Winnie also when they're both eight years old. So you see Winnie also going through these different ages and Winnie is kind of the same thing. She is a woman who is very masculine and um, queer, and and so we see them kind of growing up, uh, figuring out the way who they are, and how it kind of is 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 lining up. Um, but they kind of come to it in different ways, and so it's yeah. So that's I guess that's the plot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what about the white dress specifically? Mm-hmm. Like, what does this mean to you? Yeah, so the white dress in the play is, it kind of is the first and last um, discovery for Jonathan of this of this um, different way of expressing himself. You know, his, his mother's beautiful white gown. And I think kind of on a bigger level, you know, this a white gown like a white dress feels very much like a symbol of like the most feminine the most pure and kind of it's like a like a wedding or some sort of like fancy uh event but it it's a very it's like a symbol of like femininity and expressing oneself femininely and so it it kind of serves as like a literal and metaphorical object of the kind of core exploration of the play which is how how do we express ourselves and in a way that makes us feel the most like true to ourselves yeah and so yeah so I think that's it for me like I think when I think about it in sort of a context of like me Izzy like what would a white what would my like white dress be I think about you know like my denim jacket or like I have this silly suit that I found <laughs> at a thrift store. I found like two different parts of a suit at a thrift store and they happened to match. They were plaid. And like that, that like made that wearing that like makes me feel handsome and powerful and um, makes me feel like myself. Um, you know, and that a suit kind of feels like the, the polar opposite of like a gown or a dress um but yeah but I think it's like the core that sort of core like symbol of femininity um yeah on on like a male body that identifies as a man and Mm. what that means you know yeah Mm. well on that note like what about uh what the play says about gender Mm -hmm. like because it's it's definitely got a very complicated 
uh, relationship with gender. Yeah. And they talk a lot about gender as well as sexuality. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, what what are your, in your work on Mm -hmm. the play, what do you think the play is saying about gender? Yeah. Um, I think what's been helpful for me is when I have been looking at this play is to kind of separate out gender expression and sexuality as being three very different things, but things that you can identify on any sort of end of any spectrum of. Mm. And so the story centers around this cis man who is express his expression is feminine and his sexuality is queer because he dates men he dates women he dates Winnie who is like transmasculine but or I guess not transmasculine because she's also kind of identifies as cis um yeah so I think more more so than anything the play is exploring expression as like kind of uh isolating that part of the the like three pair or it's not a pair because it's three but you know what I mean um yeah and so and I think I think with gender um I think that's expression relates really closely to gender and sexuality because you know at least from my experience it's like a huge it's a huge part of identity is the clothes that we wear and like how we what we put on in the morning before we go out into the world and um and a story that we don't really see a whole lot of is our like cis men who don't identify as trans and who but who want to express themselves femininely and how that concept is also you know very controversial and frowned upon in many communities of like well you can't like why don't you just be a woman or why don't you like just identify this way it's like no like I'm a man and I'm I want to wear women's clothes so it's I mean it's something that I um a kind of story that I had never really seen and and kind of reading it from my trans perspective I was like okay so this is not it feels like it feels like a story about transness it feels like a story about being not cis and um exploring gender in that sort of way Hmm. but but like I I was landing and they're like oh but there's no one in the show is trans and they there's not really a whole lot of language about transness Hmm. um and so what I have come to realize is that it, it is it's about expression but expression is an experience like the kind of um what's the word I'm looking for? The like chasing after like who you are and how you want to express Mm. yourself is a very queer and trans experience. Like it's a universal experience. I mean, for all people, but for specifically like under that umbrella of LGBTQ plus, um, is that expression is, is so important in figuring out, you know, I think about like my own coming into my own expression you know all over the map like super as a kid I was super masculine and then I was like super femme and then I was very in between and and you know and but it was all important in figuring out like who I am now and how I want to express myself now yeah so does that make sense it's like Mm. it's 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 exploring gender um and it's exploring sexuality um 
but it's not um it's not like a trans story mm. it's it's like a story about expression and a story that is for i think i think that trans people will feel something i think that hopefully like all people will feel something because everyone kind of knows that experience but specifically lgbtq people experience that like need to express yourself right and when it, you can't because of whatever circumstances you're in yeah but I think that's like the core of the of the exploration of it yeah like I, I was very impressed by a lot of it in in a lot of ways because I did connect to it immediately on a lot of the gender presentation mm-hmm. levels and in a lot of the experience and then the expression levels um there's something to be said about being able to specifically state like oh trans narrative but mm-hmm. at the same time having characters that aren't necessarily saying that saying trans or not trans or just just existing and trying to also figure out gender expression and their genders themselves mm-hmm. and their sexualities uh it definitely does ring true mm-hmm. but yeah it's it was just kind of nice to see that as well Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to see it on stage and see how it looks with actual yeah. people instead of just, right. you know, reading. Yeah, and we words. have a great team. Like our costume designer is super involved and super amazing because she knows like how important it is. Like the costumes are like completely like probably one of the most important design uh, points in the show, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's been it's been great so far. I'm excited about it for sure. Awesome. Um, so I know the next question that I have, um, I don't know if necessarily, I'm going to put it out there and tell me if I'm off base by saying what I'm, what I'm saying, but, mm-hmm. uh, I know cause this play explores a lot of experiences of, uh, both blackness and experiences of being Filipino. Uh, and my question was, you know, what role does race play in the play's analysis of gender? Um, since I know that I am a white person, I don't know how you identify mm-hmm. in that sense, but I don't know if I'm necessarily the right person to ask it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, do you, do you feel like I'm off base if we have a conversation about race relations, or do you think that we're... I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I hmm. also am white, and so I don't think it's... I think it's not off base because it's definitely a big conversation in the play. Mm. Um, you know, so we, we can only say, I can't speak to, neither of us can speak to the experiences of being half black, half Filipino or, you know, or any of those experiences. But I think, um, one of the things that I am excited by that this, the conversation about race in the play brings up is, um, kind of talking about, privilege um within the queer community of like um you know Winnie is is a white I mean I am playing her she's not like Mm -hmm. specifically needed to be played by a white actor but like since I am playing her you know she has we're telling the story of her experience expressing herself um masculinely and being queer was there was a lot kind of less um pressure and a less uh there was more room for her to explore that and just in talking to the people of color on our team and the other actors and it, it's like it queerness is a less um there's less space to kind of figure it out and 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 specifically with these characters like 
Hassel, who is the mother, who is Filipino, and also is very Catholic. And so, like, not only does her race and her, like, her religion and her race play a role in her kind of rejection of um, Jonathan's expression and presentation, and uh, his father being a black man, there's all sorts of rules, you know, in the black community that are kind of limiting for queer and trans people. So, yeah, so I can't, t I can't speak to the experience of what that's like, but I can say that I think that the play does a really great job of lifting up this story of, and of, yeah, being queer and presenting femininely in a cis body um in a community of color um and i think is yeah it's it's important and i think that it's going to be hopefully resonant in those we're trying to get mm. those communities to come see um because it's important for you know for them for everyone to hear so yeah awesome Hopefully yeah. that was an okay sort of answer. <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always, we always just want to right. not overstep her, but it's good, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, and I think, I think the, the important thing is to not talk about anyone else's right. experience, but at the same time, exactly like you said, just like this, this is a part of the play and it's a really yeah. big part of the play. Oh yeah, and for it's, sure. Yeah, so, uh, and it's a part that I really enjoyed reading too, mm -hmm. so this play is an exploration of gender and it is written by a cis male actor who explores gender on his own terms uh i'm curious what role does this play in the conversation surrounding stories like specifically who can tell these stories because mm -hmm. i know i have opinions about this myself who can tell queer stories because mm -hmm. there's a lot of different opinions yeah yeah i f i have lots of feelings about it and i think um, I think kind of as a general rule, not necessarily speaking about this show, I feel like it's very important for the people, it's important for people who are writing queer stories to be coming from a queer place. I think it just makes the stories better. I think that it's it's hard because, you know, we all want so badly for representation and we all just want to like be seen so just the way that like already the the um people in power in these kind of in like film and tv and in theater there's not a whole lot of queer people there's like not a whole lot of women you know like we we it's the people who are casting and who are directing and writing, you know, who are kind of in these bigger platforms, there's not a whole lot of um, diverse representation. And so that's kind of like, there's, the only thing we can do about that is just like, try to like, w move ourselves up <laughs> the ladder. Um, but I don't know, it's, it's interesting, like, I think a lot about the show Transparent, um, and how it's does a, it's a show that like does a really great job of casting lots of trans actors and actors of color and lifting up these storylines and these stories and but you know Jeffrey Tambor is playing this trans woman mm. and and it but like we need him in order for in like if we didn't have Jeffrey Tambor like no one would have watched the show so it's i feel like yeah i have kind of complicated feelings about it but in the in the context of the white dress um 
I don't know Roger Mason super well, but he's the playwright, and he is a gay man who also feels kind of inclined to um, express himself in all sorts of ways. I think he, this play for him is was also like an exploration of like what it means to be a man and kind of uh, tear apart the the structures of presentation and still identify that way, but kind of work against and work towards, um, yeah, throwing all of the, all of those things away. Um, so I feel like it's very, it, he is telling like, in a way he's telling his own story. It's not like autobiographical, but it, it feels, I think it rings sort of true. So I feel good about that. Um, coming from him but what are your feelings about this i mean for me there's it also depends on the like i know i just started with also but it (laughs) it depends on the medium Mm -hmm. uh particularly in theater i'm a lot more okay with um people of all different backgrounds writing from a lot of writing for a lot of different backgrounds especially Mm -hmm. underrepresented backgrounds to an extent it is a little bit it can be looked at as exploitative if Mm -hmm. it's done wrong but really, because theater is such a collaborative art, it does the its existence does create more opportunity and more job for people that again uh, maybe don't have as many opportunities. Right. Uh, but also to another extent, I'm very much behind the idea of people writing from other backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners of the podcast probably know that I work with a organization called Writing the Other, uh, all about tutorial videos and working with people being sensitivity readers for uh, projects that people are writing outside their experience. And so much of it is based around the idea of knowing the stories that are off limits to you as someone who is outside of that of that culture and mm-hmm. that group, as opposed to right. the stories that are. Because if we are going to populate the world with people that are actually in the world mm-hmm. we can't just write for ourselves mm-hmm. because then like all right i'm just going to write a bunch of white trans women right and that's <laughs> not who's in my world so yeah 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 and i think it's about you know um it's about getting people involved in the process and however in whatever way that are in our different sorts of people you know mm-hmm. like i think it's important yeah, to be like, oh, I'm a cis white man who is directing a play about um, queerness and blackness. Like, I'm going to make sure that there are queer people and trans people and black people and Filipino people, you know, like making just making that effort to have, like you said, like this when it's so collaborative, just have your collaborators be from all sorts of backgrounds because then and especially if you're telling their stories because then if you have a question or if you need some if you need their insight like they will be there to do that for you um yeah mm. that's that's really important and I th- and I think that's what has been great about doing this show is that it feels like very collaborative and like if any of us ever have questions there's like someone in the room who can like help us out or or, or just yeah just it feels like a really great group of people from a lot of different places um trying to make this little something something that 
can transcend and transcend something that can transcend all you know boundaries um yeah and that's like what always is is exciting to me especially in the theater world it's it's like always sucks to go into a room and it's just all cis white people mm. and um and that just that happens so much or to see a show on broadway and it's all white people you know then it just doesn't need to happen <laughs> it, there's so many ways that it, that that doesn't have to happen mm. yeah so my final question <laughs> it's the title of the podcast oh yeah wow it's it's going to be a very interesting thing to hear because you're so into the project. But mm. um, the white dress, is it transphobic? Is it transphobic? I don't think it is. I'm going <laughs> to say no. I'm going to say no. And I, um, again, I think I, uh, and so Ian Field Seward is on this project and I know yep. that they have been on this podcast like a bit many times yep Uh, for those listening ian uh (laughs) was recently on our most recent episode about sense eight uh they've also been on the pro wrestling episode where they analyzed gold dust uh unfortunately (laughs) i gotta listen to that one yeah it's Um, it's pretty entertaining as much as poor ian not a fan of wrestling it turns out anyway (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so ian brought something up I think in the first rehearsal which I have been thinking about so much they were saying like we have to be careful um when we're telling this story because it there's there's no trans characters in it because it's talking about communities of color we just have to be careful with the, the language and the way that we market and the way that we um navigate this piece um so that it doesn't feel exploitative or like, um, yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't feel kind of icky, and and I had a kind that kind of worry of like, oh, you know, this isn't a trans story, but it is in a way, and and just like presentation and expression, that whole idea being the main sort of focus. Um, I was just you know I was like a little worried being a trans person and I think me and Ian are me and Ian and Mayfield who is our assistant choreographer um we are the only trans people um I think I hope I'm not if someone else is listening from the show who is trans and I don't know I'm so sorry but you know like be us being kind of the um the trans people and on the team um I don't know. I I was a little bit worried, but I don't feel that way anymore after working on it. Our director, Adian Walker, is incredible and very has like a very heightened sort of sense of that sort of thing. What do you think about the white dress? <laughs> I uh admittedly I will have to see it staged because yeah. page to stage there's always little differences, but um based on what I've read, I would say no, um, it's not transphobic. I think there is a certain extent that with any piece that is dealing with gender play and gender expression, mm-hmm. uh, particularly because of the way that people view 
gender as a like oh i only notice it when it's trans people or when people are moving against what a social norm for gender is uh there's an extent that maybe some people maybe one or two may miss the message but mm. that's true of any piece that isn't immediately like hammering it into someone's skull what the point is mm -hmm. i think it's a really nuanced piece and for that i really enjoy it uh and so on that note no i don't think it's transphobic but there's always there will always be that in every piece it's either not enough or it's too much and mm -hmm. i think this does a really good job balancing that but at the same time yeah like yeah. no it's definitely not transphobic that's yeah that's yeah. good i'm glad that you feel that way yeah <laughs> no and i think that i think that it's a it is a kind of like gritty exploration of all of this stuff we've been talking about mm -hmm. like it's it's it doesn't always feel very you know it's messy like kind of like how life is how yeah. when we figure things out and we're especially i think something i had wanted to bring up is we see um jonathan and winnie as kids and as teenagers navigating this and um you know when you're young you still don't really know how to talk about these things or you mm. still don't know like the um sort of pc way so i think and i think that like jonathan's character a lot of the times feels very confused and kind of like wanting to like posture this masculine thing so he said he has lines that are kind of like queer phobic and and transphobic because he's just kind of reacting and mm. um he doesn't know about like any of that but he's because he's a kid and he's in this crazy sort of like home situation and so you know but but i think that that's just part of this story of of when you figure this stuff out, like it's not always easy and it's not always pretty, you know, you have to like really get through the shit of it, um, to get to a place where you feel like a beautiful flowy white dress. Um, but yeah. Uh -huh. I like that image. <laughs> no, I think that's yeah. a good image to kind of end on. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you want to make sure people know about the show before, uh, before we go though? I don't, I don't think so. I okay. think, um, yeah, I think that everyone should try to come out and see it. It's got a limited run, so um, I mean, I'm sure it'll it will live on past this this production. But I think it's really interesting, important story that we have we don't really hear a whole lot about. So I hope that people come out and see. The white dress is written by Roger Q. Mason. We'll be performing Thursday, November second through Sunday, November fifth. And if you'd like to buy tickets, you can do so at thewhitedressplay.com. We got but lots yeah. of social media. Yep. Ian has been on top of it yeah. with the social meds. So, yeah, give us a Google and you'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Ian again. Yes. Um, <laughs> great. So uh, is there anywhere on the internet that you want people to find you, like your Twitter, your Instagram? Um, Sure. If people want to want to say hi or follow me izzy castaldi i think what's my freaking instagram handle i don't know <laughs> is a smeller or something stupid i don't know you can you can find me again you just give it a google or like find me on facebook send me a request i don't know <laughs> awesome uh, 
And for me, as always, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lucretia Deerfor, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, the number four. Uh, and Is It Transphobic also has its own Twitter account at Is It Transphobic. Very easy to remember. Uh, and if you support us on Patreon, even just a dollar a month will get you access to videos of most of our interviews. Uh, it'll get you f- quick access to any of our mini episodes that we do. And yeah, it's just good. It'll help us keep ourselves afloat. Awesome. So, uh, if that's all, everybody needs to go out and see the white dress. And uh, stay tuned for Halloween, where Joe, Kelsey, and I will talk about Curse of the Queer Wolf. (laughs) Don't go see that movie. (laughs) Awesome. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.